I'm Kelly Coffey, CEO of City National Bank. Our Conversations podcast features in-depth interviews with innovative leaders from business, entertainment, and nonprofits. Listen and learn how to succeed in what I'm calling the next normal. Now is the time to rethink, reinvent, and renew yourself and your business. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be back for another episode of Conversations. Our guest today is an award-winning social entrepreneur, children's book author, and TED speaker who is working to make the world a better place. In 2017, after years of feeding people experiencing homelessness in Atlanta from her own kitchen, she founded Gooder, a tech-enabled sustainable food waste management company that strives to eliminate hunger and save food from landfills. By 2019, Gooder expanded beyond their Georgia-only operations to half a dozen cities across the country. And in the five short years since founding Gooder, Jasmine's helped serve 30 million meals and diverted nearly 5 million pounds of organic material from landfills. She was named by Entrepreneur Magazine as one of the top 100 influential female founders and is on a mission to foster change and create awareness about today's most pressing socioeconomic challenges. It is my pleasure to welcome Jasmine Crow. Thanks for being on the show today, Jasmine. Thank you so much for having me. So, Jasmine, I am certain that many of our listeners would agree that your story is really inspiring. You grew Gooder from a one-woman project, hosting pop-up restaurants for the homeless, to a company that's partnering with well-known corporations all across the country to eliminate food waste and address a huge issue in our society, food insecurity. So I'd love you to take us back to the beginning and talk about what was the moment you realized you could turn your idea into an actual scalable business? For sure. So, you know, I think the moment, kind of light bulb moment for me was um, a video of my work actually went viral. This was in 2016. Um, and I wouldn't actually start Gooder until a full year later. But when I woke up one morning, a video of one of my pop-up restaurants had gone viral on Facebook. And I, I woke up to millions of views and all these friend requests and comments. And as I was reading through the comments, one of the reoccurring questions that people kept asking me was, who donated the food? And the truth was nobody. I was couponing. I was price matching. I was cooking all this food myself. And so I started to think like, if I get this food donated, think of how many more meals I'm going to have, how many more people I'll be able to feed. And that was really kind of that light bulb moment for me that made me realize that I didn't have to continue to coupon and price match and cook all this food myself. I could get food donated to be able to feed more people. And I think that is really what started the journey. That's amazing. And to think about how you were doing it before you realized that. So so talk a little bit about that early journey. I mean, it, it can't be just that easy to go and get people to donate food. What were there challenges you faced along the way? There were challenges early on and I still face challenges. I tell people that all the time because I think a lot of times people think, you know, she's made it. It's everything is going great, but it's still really hard. I think some of the early challenges were first getting people to like lose the old guard. They had always thrown the food away. So why now would they start donating the food? Um, so that was one of the things that I had to get over and, and really work on liability, work on just the things that were for many reasons, keeping them from doing it. Um, so those were kind of those early challenges. Then it was obviously hard to raise capital, to build a team. So there were a lot of things that I, I went through then and still go through now to actually see this dream come to fruition. But I'm happy that we're doing it and that we're here. Um, but a lot of it was just really trying to get people to think outside of the way that they always had thought and, and believe that some things can be different. 
Well, you're clearly someone who perseveres through even challenges and you've come a long way in five years. And you mentioned um, fundraising because I, I want to spend a little bit of time on that because that's something I hear from a lot of entre- particularly female entrepreneurs, but generally entrepreneurs. And I know you recently tweeted you struggled to uh, to reach your initial Kickstarter fundraising goal of 25000 I think, when you were trying to get Gooder off the ground. Yeah. Um, and you sent an email, which I love, the perseverance to those early backers telling you you're not going to quit. Yeah. So where, 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 first of all, where did you get the determination to continue on in the face of all that? I think ultimately it was all about what I was solving and what I was fighting for. And I think when I started... I said I wanted to solve hunger. I was feeding people already. It meant a lot to me to solve the problem. So I really think that that's what, for me, kept me going. The purpose. It was more about, hey, I'm really trying to end this problem. I couldn't just give up on it just because it didn't go, you know, well the very first time I sought out to raise the 25000 And I didn't know if I had the network in the beginning. There were so many things I didn't know. But I really was committed to the problem. And I was I was feeding people, you know, days I would wonder what I was going to feed myself. So this was very real to me. And I think I just because of that, I continued to persevere. And in that first no, that first, which was kind of the not being able to raise the money, ultimately, I think helped me long term be able to to keep going because I had already experienced defeat in a sense. And it was just like, hey, it didn't kill me. So very much it made me stronger and I just kept on going. That's exactly right. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs who are struggling with fundraising, having been through it? I think, you know, it's fundraising is hard for everybody. I think a lot of times, you know, we don't talk about that and it and that's something that we've got to. But I have men, friends, um, you know, women, friends across the board. Everybody struggles with this. This is not just like it's hard for you. It's hard. It's easy for me. This is something that across the board people are 100 percent struggling with. I think the biggest thing is to do as much as you can without having to raise funding, you know, so being able to do more with less and stretch, if you will. A lot of times I tell my team like, hey, look, we've got, these are our stretch goals. Like this is what we'd like to do, but we got to try and stretch and do this as well. And it's important because the the market is changing. We've all been hearing this for months. And so we've got to know that we're going to have to do more sometimes with less ultimately. And so try and go to customers, try and get revenue. I think that's like the best form of investment that you can get if you're not able to get, you know, venture capital investment. And then I think the other thing that I really wanted to drive home is that a lot of fanfare and celebration happens around founders raising, you know, 30, 40, 50 million dollars, 100 million dollars becoming unicorns. But we don't celebrate enough the companies that are just making it work, that are making millions of dollars every year without all of the venture capital. And that's what founders got to do. You know, if social media world and the tech crunches of the world aren't going to celebrate you just doing the good work that you're doing every day. Don't worry about that. You know, you got to celebrate within your team of of reaching these goals. And that's really what I I think if they focused on, they would really learn that, hey, this is what it's really all about. That's great advice. And And you own your own, you know, you can really control a lot of your own destiny if you're able to do that as well. Yeah. 
because once you get investors, I mean, that's something a lot of people don't talk about. You're get, it's almost like a marriage. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I was raising capital early on, I didn't know that. And so when people were first, you know, saying, hey, I'll invest in Gooder, I was like, perfect, like taking their checks in. And they ultimately, I had a couple of bad actors out there for sure that just ended up not being good investors. And I think out of desperation, I just took them on. And that was, it's a regret of mine. Um, so I really would encourage people not not to feel like you got to just have this investor, or you got to have this money because every all money is not good money. That's exactly right. That's great, great advice. And so Atlanta, which may be better known for the the very cool and and thriving music and arts scene, more than a tech startup hub, but I do know we've it's seen some pretty incredible growth. You know, since we operate there over the past few years, with several very recognizable tech firms calling it home, and and so has that added to the growth of Gooder? What has that meant for you as the tech industry continued to develop in Atlanta? Well, I'm really happy that it's it's developing and it's still growing. I think. Um, you know, I have one of my newest investors is a new fund that was grown um, in 2020 right here out of Atlanta. And, and now they're an investor in Gooder. And so there are a lot of good things in that realm that have definitely helped me for sure. Uh, I'm really grateful for it. And I think it'll, you know, when I was first raising, people were like, oh, you know, we don't want to invest in companies that we can't drive to. <laughs> or, you know, we like to be able to invest in a company that, you know, is within our distance. And these are mostly, as you can imagine, investors that were like in uh, San Francisco and Boston. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to move. This is this is home. This is where I want to build this company. This is where I started. And I'm glad I just stayed true to that. You know, then the pandemic came along and investors were taking meetings by Zoom and open to investing all over the country. And so that was really helpful because when I was first doing it, they were not really wanting to have those conversations uh, if we weren't local. Yeah, that's a big shift for everybody. All right, so let's talk about some all that great work you are doing. Um, you've often said Gooder is committed to doing well by doing good. Has giving back always been innate to you? Where does your where does this desire? Where did you start? Um, where did it come from from your perspective? Yeah, I think for sure. It's always been something that's been ingrained in me. My parents were always long-term givers. My dad uh, was a big brother with the Big Brothers Big Sisters program for as long as I can remember. My mom sat on several boards and we were military. And a lot of times when we would move to a new city, we did two things. We found a new church, which is kind of our way to like meet people. And then my parents got really involved in the giving aspect. So whether that was volunteering, uh, joining different service organizations, and that was really kind of the imprint of how we would get started in a new market. So yeah, I definitely think it was very much, you know, ingrained in me. Um, and it's just, I've been doing it in some form or fashion since high school. And I found probably like two or three years ago, I still have it ironically, this little journal. Um, and I probably I could tell from what I was writing in the journal that I might have been like 14 or 15. <laughs> but what was so funny is in one of the chapters I wrote, you know, I want to be known for doing something good in this world. And so I think as far as I can remember, I knew that I wanted to do something that was positive. And I just stuck to it. And so it's, it's, I guess, been like a lifelong goal. It is. That's, that's, uh, 
you're true to your purpose, which is why you persevere, which I think it's, um, it's so important. And City National Bank also, it's, I think it creates a purpose for City National that we support our community. It's one of our core commitments. We say clients, colleagues, communities. Um, and I think it makes us different. I, I think, in fact, if I think about something that's close to what you do, our food and beverage bankers, for example, when they close a big major deal, they hold food pantry events and do food giveaways as opposed to a closing dinner and making some sort of lucite um, thing that others do. And so we find a lot, there's a lot of different ways we do that, um, which I, which I think get people more connected and, and you've always cared deeply about your community as, as we just talked about. So, but in, in addition to feeding those in need, you've also dedicated yourself to creating more jobs within the city of Atlanta. So I'd love you to tell us more about this and and maybe with a, also helping, you know, how can other entrepreneurs look to do the same for their local communities or help you in Atlanta if they're there? Yeah, I think, you know, I was from Atlanta. So, of course, I wanted to create more jobs here. Um, I love that there were a lot of HBCUs here in Atlanta. I'm also an HBCU alumna. And so I knew that there were really clear reasons why Atlanta was going to just be home for me. I think one of the things I started doing is I really got involved with the Atlanta scene. So if there were meetups, there were tech events, whatever it was, I was going out and I was talking about, hey, I'm Jasmine, this is my company, Gooder, this is what we're trying to do. And people would come up and say, like, I'm really interested in that. You know, I got started with Gooder at a hackathon. That's how the company literally started. I went to a hackathon. Here I am, a team of one. I'm trying to solve hunger. This is my idea. And, you know, people would volunteer their time at those hackathons just to help me think through it. And I ultimately got a clickable prototype out of it. And that's what really helped me start the company. So a lot of times it's just getting started and telling people what it is that you're trying to do, because people are looking for opportunities. And if you're building something that's, you know, going to change the world, which every so many people are, people want to be involved in that. And I think those were the things that I did. I also started working really closely with the city. Um, And so I would find out different programs that they had, whether that was like Invest Atlanta, um, and they were able to get give us a loan. So we got some uh, debt debt financing from them that was non-dilutive, and it was specifically used to create three jobs in the Atlanta area. And so those are the ways that you can kind of work within your cities. And that's that's what I did. And it was it paid off for us. Definitely getting out there and finding, because there's a lot of great programs, but not everybody knows about it. And it's kind of a bureaucracy to figure it out. So you really do have to, you know, kind of mire through that. And I also want to say that I know um, just in February, you announced Gooder's inaugural HBCU summer internship program. You mentioned that you went through that program and and that's to give four students the chance to work, learn, immerse themselves across the company. And they each get, I think, a stipend of $10,000. Is that right? Yeah. And and it just ended this week. It's so, you know, it's been an amazing time. So they started with us in June. um, And I think today uh, actually was their last day. That's exciting. Um, And they they were great. You know, I remember one of them, she's a uh, junior, a rising senior now at uh, Howard University in Washington, D.C. And she just came up to me. She's like, you know, it's my last week, but I just want to tell you, like, thank you so much. This has just been an amazing opportunity for me. And that that meant a lot to me. And she was like, I want to still work with Gooder. I want to be staying in contact with you. And another one left. And he was like, within five years, Gooder is going to be a worldwide name. Like what you guys are doing is amazing. And just to hear that coming from the students, it meant a lot to me personally. And one of them said, I love that you guys are 
you're, you know, helping people and making money while doing it. And you're not only just doing it just to make money. And that meant something to me because that's, that's true to what we are. Like I always tell people, especially my team members, if it's, a difference in us having a, a 20% margin or a 30% margin and the people that we're serving, having a better experience and receiving more food and getting more out of it, then we're always going to go with people. And so our real focus is like, we put people first. And I think for investors, sometimes that can be hard, you know, because I tell them that, like, I look for investors that are going to care as much about how many people we feed is how much money we make. And if that's not you, that's okay. Yeah. But that's important for, for me to be able to send an update and you receive that and be proud of that equally. Yeah, I think that's, and that's why picking out the right investors are, are really important. And that, and you're, it sounds like you're balancing it too, because, you know, having a strong bottom line helps you last and do more. And of course, be less subject to market um, fluctuations, but you got to have your your clear purpose first and not, um, not forget that. So it's great. And you're, and I'm sure for those four students, I mean, what, what an incredible experience and eye-opening as to what they can do, right? You're really creating that opportunity for the next generation, um, which is, which is so important. And, and talk about any mentors that helped you do that too. Any that you had stood out? Yeah. You know, I had mentors that probably would not know me if you asked them about me. So I just, I was inspired by the work that they were doing and I was just educating myself really on the outside. Like, Hey, this is something that I ultimately want to do. I was following them on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter. You know, I was reading blogs. I was going to YouTube school, if you will. So I really used the free economy that was out there, this information age. And I taught myself everything that I could um, because I, you know, I didn't go to school to, for, for coding. I'm not a computer scientist. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm running this tech company, but this just wasn't the background that I had. But for me, it meant a lot to be able to get in front of people and talk about what it is that I wanted to build. Mm -hmm. And looking out there at people that were doing things that you respected and learning. I think that's lifelong learning. That's the, that's the way to go. And, and of course you're helping others do that. So I want to talk about your Ted talk because in that you said hunger isn't an issue of scarcity. It's a question of logistics, which is a great way to think about it. Cause there's a lot of food in the world. It's pretty amazing. So, you know, Gooder's pretty unique in that you're not only tackling food insecurity, but you're also aiming to solve issues of food waste, which is, you know, finding better solutions for surplus food and how to get it to the right place. So um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how you're working with other organizations and how you're making this all possible. Yeah, I mean, we have a marketplace, if you will. So on one side, we have a nonprofit marketplace where we partner with nonprofits all over the country and they are kind of our end user. They're the ones who take this food and get it to people in need. And then we have a logistics partnership marketplace. So we work for work with, excuse me, everyone from Uber Eats to DoorDash to Roadie um, to Omni Logistics. So depending on how much food we have to move, we have a fleet of vehicles that we're partnering with to be able to do this. And so it really is like this strong marriage and, and Gooder's kind of the, the bridge in between. We're connecting the businesses with the nonprofits and the logistics to move it. And that is why I say that hunger is not an issue of scarcity. We are wasting right now 40% of all the food that we produce in this country. That's nearly 2% of GDP or about 280 $18 billion a year that we spend in this country on food that we never eat. So when you hear those statistics, it's very clear for me to say, no, 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 this is not 
um, about producing more food. What we really need to work on is making sure that the food that is getting produced is getting to people instead of going into trash. And so that's kind of the the adage that we use at Gooder, and it's kind of like our our mission and our guiding light for those numbers are incredible. I mean, just incredible. And was it, yeah, it's, really it's sad, right? Because you just think, and and were those companies pretty? I mean, was it? You know, we talked a little bit about partnership, but but how how hard was it to get like an Uber Eats or or to cooperate? Or were they? Did they kind of get it pretty quickly? Um, I feel as though it was. It's still hard. It definitely wasn't like an easy thing at all. It was really about trying to come up with different relationships and meet people, and we're still going back and forth and. Um, still trying to get more partners all the time. So it's never just completely easy. Yep. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of it was just, we're paying them. <laughs> so they're not doing it for free. So I think <laughs> that's definitely something to think about. They're not doing this for free. So we really are paying them to do this. And I think that's what ends up happening that helps us make it through. And makes it sustainable. Um, so, and last year, as if, as if you weren't busy enough, you also released a children's book called Everybody Eats. What inspired you to write the book and what do you hope that children and their families take away from it? You know, I am often asked, what do I want my legacy to be? And a lot of times I want to, I want to be known and, and I feel like I will be known for, for fighting hunger. But a lot of times people will say, do you think you'll do it? Do you think you'll end hunger in your lifetime? And I, I don't think I will, because this is a problem that affects one in eight people on the planet. And unless a lot of policy change happens and just so much has to happen for that to occur, for me to be able to say one day I ended hunger, everyone in the world has access to food. So I thought by creating this children's book, it would be a real opportunity for me to inspire the next generation to to keep on, you know, pick up the torch and keep on going for the fight. And the other thing that I thought was important is that one in six kids in this country actually experience hunger. So one in six children in the classroom are food insecure. And so the reality is, our children could be in a classroom with a kid that's going hungry. And I thought it was important for them to understand what hunger is, but it's really a character building book where it talks about empathy. And, you know, the premise of the story is a young girl is volunteering with her parents at a local food bank and sees a friend from school there with her dad to get food. And, you know, her friend says, well, my dad lost his job. My mom's been having some trouble feeding us. And, you know, this is, this is why we're here now. So that is kind of the premise of the book and the story. And it's just really, it's a relatable story. Mm -hmm. And helps both sides, helps people see the issue touches everybody because it's heartbreaking to see that. So between the COVID-19 pandemic and then now we've got pretty significant inflation. So we've seen a dramatic increase in people experiencing food insecurity across our country in recent years. We, we work with a number of food banks and we've seen that for sure. How has it impacted your business? You know, I think what we've always done is, you know, Gooder's very traditionally different from like a food bank or a food pantry. And I think with more and more people experiencing food insecurity, the way that we do it at Gooder really shined in the pandemic. And it, and it was one of those times where, you know, I was telling people for years, like this, this has to change. We've got to do something different. We can't keep feeding people like this. People deserve access to better food. I'm not giving someone food in a box. And, you know, I want to treat people with more dignity. And 
thankfully, the pandemic, I think, it helped me. It helped me show people that we can do better, that we can give people more quality food and we can give people more dignity in their in their experience when they're experiencing hunger. Um, so it really helped our business. And I also think it helped the world see that Jasmine just hasn't been saying all this crazy stuff. Like this really <laughs> is, this is important. People really are going hungry and we need to do something about it. So in many ways, I think it helped us. That's great. And are there, is there anything you're thinking about as we kind of, as the world's continuing to be pretty turbulent and we are um, looking at a recession potentially, is there anything you need to do you feel like differently or or how you need to navigate through that? Yeah, you know, I think the main thing for me is I just got to remember why I started and never forget that. I think that's always what I'm telling myself, Jasmine, you know, never forget why you started this company. And unfortunately, and fortunately, right, a recession is somewhat good for our business because we really are in the business of getting people access to food. And during times of recession, when a lot more people struggle, there's a lot of need out there. And so what I believe our business is going to even be more needed um, over the next few years yep. because we're going to have to feed a lot more people. So, so let's look ahead. You recently closed $8 million Series A funding round. Congratulations. I know that was probably a ton of work. What's next for good or any technology exciting projects or other initiatives you want to, you're working on, you want to talk about? Yeah, I think big thing for Gooder right now, we are really focused, laser focused on expanding. Um, we are currently in about 26 markets right now. We want to be all over the country. Um, we're building new products. So we have a two-sided business model, one around food waste, one around hunger. Um, so we're building a lot more products on our hunger side that's going to allow people to access food faster and know where they can get to food at a, at a faster rate. Um, so those are things that we're really excited about. Uh, we're growing and we're hiring. I think I'm, I can't believe that's probably what I'm most excited <laughs> about because we were a really small team. I mean, we were a small company for so long and now just having the ability to hire more people to work with additional people, um, it just makes me really excited about where we're going. So those are the things that I think for me, I'm really excited about the growth of the team, the expansion of the company across the country, uh, the ability to hire more people for certain, and really the ability to feed more people. And have more impact. What What's your, what if, when you think out five years, what's your vision? I think five years good is definitely international. We're a household name in the U.S. Um, a lot more people will have access to food. Our goal is to reduce food waste by 10 percent. Um, in the next five years, which doesn't seem like a lot, but if we're able to do that, that's going to provide a lot of meals for a lot of people. So that's the big kind of goal that we're going after. In I the next that. five years, we want to make sure that more people have access to food. Love it. Going global in the next five going years. Oh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's definitely going to happen. I'm excited about it. Oh, that's great. So you mentioned, you mentioned the data that I just, it's still staggering to say 40% of the American food supply is never eaten, um, which is just, you know crazy, 133 billion pounds of wasted food. So, and, you know, we're going to have increasing numbers of people facing food insecurity. So I'd love to end with a couple of questions on what advice would you give to anybody listening to this of how they could help in the fight against hunger? And is there any one activity that you would say, you know, can we all take away to eliminate food waste, something that, um, that they can do to help? 
I think a lot, what I'll, I'll give two pieces of advice. What you can do in your home is really buy your meals. And I, and by that, like a lot of times we go to the grocery stores on Sunday and we, we think we're going to cook every day and we buy all this stuff. And then what really ends up happening is we don't cook every day. And so a lot of food sits in our, our pantry and in our refrigerator and actually goes to waste. So I'm very particular in saying buy your meals. So buy that go out and today you're making chicken parmesan, buy the chicken parmesan items for that day and really plan. If you can, a lot of grocery stores will actually open and cut packages for you. And by that, like if you see a package of six chicken wings and you know you're only going to eat four, see if they will just sell you the four. Um, So those are things that you could do to reduce waste in your household. Um, From a business standpoint, start asking the businesses that you support, could they please, you know, stop wasting food? And so that's the big thing. This, the grocery stores that you go to, the places you work at, what happens to the food that we don't eat in our cafeteria? Um, and if you find out that they are, you know, throwing it away, please refer them to Gooder. Yeah, that's a great one. Refer them to Gooder. I love that. Well, Jasmine, I thank you for this conversation today. It's it's so inspiring what you're building and. And I think, I think you will make a huge impact. So maybe you can't totally end it, but you might get really close in your lifetime. So (laughs) I really appreciate it. And we'd love to help in any way we can. And thanks again for doing this. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll subscribe to Conversations so you'll never miss an episode. We have lots of great guests this season who will inform and inspire you. 